another Saturday morning for another opportunity to speak about the truth of God and how it pertains to us and things in this life as well. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, so here we go another Saturday morning, another opportunity to share the truth of God. How are you doing today? I'm good. I just maybe haven't been, noticed it, but the sun is already up where we are, so it's kind of neat to see the, the new day dawning. So, no. Starting good so far, just looking forward to, um, this is a very interesting way to start, and we'll see where Mother takes us, so welcome to everybody listening. Yeah, I've had this on my mind off and on for a while, and then yesterday, uh, Mother just confirmed that, you know, we're just going to put this truth out there about the realities of this perspective because, um, again, we've said this before, we've talked about it a little bit, that people try to separate God and science. And that's an impossibility because God was the one who created science because science is knowledge. You know, the, the, you look at the basic form definition of science, that within itself has been turned into a profession that well, you're, you're not a scientist, so you wouldn't know. Well, everybody is a scientist from some perspective because they have some sort of knowledge, a base of knowledge, and not just head knowledge, but they have heart knowledge of experiences that they've gone through. And so to even separate science from God is it's crazy because God created science within itself, but why does man do these things well it, it's written in the bible you know for although they knew god's divine qualities they chose not to acknowledge god and then because of that he turned them over to a depraved mind <clears throat> so the reality is that People are trying to remove the existence of a God. There's, there can really sensibly only be one reason why. And that reason would be punishment. Because if you have no fear of punishment, what does it matter to you whether a God exists or not? You know, that that's the reality of it, and even more so, 
people can't deny the existence of God rather than they try to transfer God. And what I mean by that is they decide that they're God because they know what's best. Even though they're human, they're not uh, immortal, and they're not perfect, they decide that, well, this God can't exist because of this or because of that. And again, this is why the Bible tells us, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding, because your own understanding will burn you just about every time. Now, when you have had the head knowledge and the heart knowledge with God, and you have the spirit in you, now you're not leaning on your own understanding. You're leaning on God's understanding, which becomes your understanding. And now it's okay, but you still need to do an evaluation to make sure that this is the reality of God and not the reality of humankind. And it's just so huge because many people, you know, they will either say, you know, well, God did this and it's not fair. Or God did that and it's not fair. How do you know? You don't. You don't have head knowledge. People don't have head knowledge of what it is to be God. They have no clue what it is. So you're just making guesses because of how it affects you rather than accepting the realities that are uh, right there in your face and in front of you and choosing that you want to believe in God and live. And, you know, and again, we've talked about this in the um, in podcast before, cognitive dissonance. And this is huge for people. If you're listening to these podcasts, uh, and you're going to have, typically, if you've been programmed one way, you're going to have a knee-jerk reaction to some of the stuff that's coming out, if not most of it, because this kind of stuff hasn't been heard for a long time. Now, it's the same thing that Paul was preaching, and it's the same thing Messiah was talking about. Messiah talked about these different things, and Messiah even talked about this concept uh, within the realities of uh, God, and uh, you have different uh, writers in the Bible that, like James, who uh, makes some references. Uh, so it's really, it's not a matter of the existence of God. It's a matter of whether you accept the existence of God. And what people don't understand is that your, your DNA in your mind is to be accepted. That everybody wants to be accepted. And so you live your whole life trying to get other people to accept you. And in doing that, you will put, you will uh, play a role because that's what you think the other person wants to see. But the reality is, is that eventually you're going to that role's going to uh, go away and the real you is going to come out. And this happens in marriage relationships all the time when in the early parts 
of the relationship, you're not being who you really are. You're hiding things because you know that if they know that you're thinking in your mind that they're not going to accept you. So I do everything I can in order for you to accept me. And if I don't feel accepted by you, then I turn to anger against you. You become my enemy. And if I feel condemned by the existence of a God, then what am I going to do? I'm going to turn on that God. And But you don't know what it is, is to be God. And therefore, you have no authority to say what is right and what is wrong in accordance with God. The whole objective of one, you have to seek God with all of your heart, and then you have to believe God, and then you have to believe in God. And these are steps in the process that if you don't believe in God, then you will always question what they do, why they do it, how they do it, and determine in your mind, in your, your human form, you'll determine what you think is right and fair and appropriate. And it's all because of self-preservation. And that's the, the reality of humankind is that we are set on a path of self-preservation based in acceptance. If you don't accept me, then I feel rejected and I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm, then my life is not preserved. But if I feel like you accept me, then man, I, I feel good and everything's good and it, it's, you know, we, we get along great and everything's fine because you accept me. And this is, a, again, psychology of the mind goes so deep that people have no clue about what it is unless you have God as the one that's feeding you the information from an uh, eternal, absolute truth perspective then we have the ability to understand it to a degree. You know, a lot of stuff that we've talked about, we've learned from, and we learn all this from God. We didn't learn this from man. I didn't learn things about psychology from man. Yes, are there times where I've, I've heard a psychologist or a psychiatrist say something that lines up with truth of God? Yes, but that's not them. It's just that they pick up on a piece that lined up with the truth of God. It, it's all from God anyway. It's not from man, but we put too much of a dependency on man to know everything rather than make sure the dependency is on God. And a key scripture that uh, a lot of times gets uh, misunderstood, misused, and people don't even realize it, is about calling on the name of the Lord. And those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh, I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, so I'm saved. Now, that what we need to understand is that the word call in the Hebrew can be to call on somebody, or it's more, uh, from God's perspective, it's a dependency. So those whose dependency is on God, 
will be saved. Those who call on the name of the Lord, those who, you know, if I'm, am I going to call you on the phone, Torn, uh, and ask you to help me to do something if I don't depend on you? No, because if, if you just call me and the only time you call me is just, you just want something, you want something, you want something, but you don't ever really form a relationship, then no, I don't really desire to, to help you because you don't, you, you don't, you're not really depending on me. You just want something from me. So it's more of a, yeah, it's wanting that relationship with people. But anymore, what's fascinating to me is I use my phone as a computer. It's, I don't even use it as a phone. I, I, use, I made a phone call yesterday, but other than that, I don't even use my phone as a phone. But, but yeah, it, it is, it's a, it, it's not just God save me. Well, that, that's a, a request, but a call is like if you call somebody and you continually call them, it's like you're depending on them. Like that, that's the ultimate thing is dependency um, on, on you and not just asking them one time and then, well, they'll just do everything. No, it means you depend on them because think about it. Those who depend on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say that you are saved. It says you shall be. That if you keep depending on the Lord, like seeking with all your heart, is that ultimately setting your mind in that dependency that you're never going to stop depending on God. And therefore, when you do that, you will be saved as long as you don't turn from it. But yeah, it's like people will take something like that to um, justify what they're doing or have a comfort in it. And it's just know that, you know, we're not to pick and choose the word of God. We're to apply the word of God. And the word of God is true that if those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved because how could that be any other way unless you stop calling on them and then therefore they stop calling on you and then therefore you, you don't make it or you turn away from it. So yeah, um, there's so many scriptures that were taken out of context or people put their own uh, selfish thing to it. And there, there's something that actually had this on mind before we even started talking about this, about the punishment aspect. If you take any kind of punishment out of any of this, the, in regards to, to God, people don't have a problem with it. And I'll even say this. People don't have a problem with other people being punished. It's you that you don't want to be punished. And that's the problem. And because thinking about this, that if if there was no punishment for anything that you did, there'd be no reason to say that there's no God. But what happens is people don't have any problem with heaven. You know, everybody's in heaven. Such and such is in heaven. But you mentioned hell. No, it's not fair. It's not just. And well, why is that? But you don't have any problem saying the words go to hell to somebody or get this person. They need to be locked up for the rest of their life. Throw away the key. You know, they deserve death. OK, so you're putting somebody in hell. But I'll turn it back on you. Well, why didn't, it's not fair that I'm. Well, but is it fair that you think you have the authority to put somebody there and. Yeah, it's not that God exists. It's just that people don't want to deal with punishment. And that's the thing. If I'm accepted by you, then I'm not going to be punished by you. So really, the, the like you said, the psychology of this, the depth of it is anything to avoid punishment, uncomfortability, stuff like that. And the thing is, you're going to have to be uncomfortable to face Yah. That you're going to have to deal with getting out of your comfort zone. But that 
it is, it is so deeply ingrained, especially in this society, that do anything you can to avoid any kind of punishment. Because we know that perfect love drives out fear, and fear has to do with punishment. So Yah uses fear in order for you to see that punishment is coming to you if you don't repent and turn to us. So the fear is to drive you to have a relationship with Yah and get away from sin. That's the point of fear, but the enemy will use fear to keep you stationary. Yah uses fear to get you moving. And But it's not fear from a selfish perspective. It's from a selfless perspective of, look, if you don't change something here, then you're going to live in eternity separated from God and everlasting punishment. So get away from that. But then once you turn from that, I'm going to show you the better way, which is righteousness and desire me above all things. And then you don't have to worry about punishment because that's where it talks about in the word that come boldly before the throne of grace. Now, boldly doesn't mean that you're arrogant. Boldly just means that you have a confidence to come to Yah that, yes, I can come before the throne of God because I don't have sin in my life and I walk in their ways. So I'm going to have this relationship and I'm going to speak with them. But yeah, the, the punishment aspect is just came to mind that people want to avoid their own punishment. And if I can do anything I can to get away from punishment, then that's good. But if you, once I have that conviction and I know that I'm going to be punished, I don't want to deal with that. Well, I'm just not going to believe God exists because I'm not going to believe in a God that would treat people this way. And it's like, you're just, it's just a cover. You're just attempting to avoid the ultimate punishment that you know is coming because even Yeshua said this is that those that don't believe in me are condemned already. Well, he wouldn't say that if he knows that people have sin in their heart, then you're under condemnation because you're under the law. You're under the written code. You're condemned already. You know that punishment is coming to you because the law of God has been put in place to tell you that you're a sinner. And Yah gives the opportunity. But when Yah sees that people don't want to turn to them, then he'll turn them over to the depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. But the the thing is, is that you can get away from it by faith in them. And in this aspect of creation evolution, I had this thought come to mind that you could put this to cause and effect. Okay, so people know that punishment is coming. So if I can get away from the cause of it, then that in their mind is, well, I'll just get away from the punishment. So if I, I know that God is the, by not following them, that because of my lack of faith in them, I know I'm going to be punished. So therefore, if I just get away, if I can just say that the source doesn't exist, then therefore the punishment won't be there. And that's not the way it works, is that the law of God has been put in place to let you know that you do sin and you know that you're condemned. And that's why that you, the enemy has crafted this very well that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take away the terror aspect of y'all and I'm going to take you right to the feel good because that, if I keep you from seeing God as a terror, then you'll stay in sin and that punishment remains for you. But if you see God as a terror, then you can ultimately get away from the punishment. So everything that somebody does has an effect. So you have to face the aspect that God exists and God is knowledge. And therefore you can't get away from it. The only thing you can do is suppress it because it was just like you said that although 
people knew God, well, how could they know God if God didn't exist? But they didn't want to glorify God as who they were because you realize that you're going to be punished. But I would rather just stay in sin and avoid punishment, what I think is avoiding punishment, than having the uncomfortable aspect of turning away from it and dealing with um, um, turning to God and finding the fullness of faith. But, but to go back to what you asked me, that yeah, the, the calling on the name of the Lord is a dependency that's supposed to never stop. That doesn't mean that Yah does everything. It means that Yah gives you what you need, and then you follow what Yah is wanting you to do the best that you can. Yeah, and I find it interesting that we live in a world that is okay with teaching things that are not uh, absolute in truth. And we have words that tell you they're not absolute in truth. Now, there are some teachings that are taught in an absolution of truth. And I... Like your basic mathematics, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, that's taught from a reality perspective, because if you have one item and you add another item to it, you have two. That's a fact. That's not. There's, the issue comes in is when it's theory. Theory is the problem because theory is a guess. Whether you call it an educated guess or not, it is still a guess. Any hypothesis which is considered to be an educated guess is still a guess. And as we talk on these podcasts, we don't want to be giving educated guesses. We want to be giving educated knowledge of truth, and that's the objective of what we're teaching. We should not be teaching theory. <coughs> and you can tell in the way somebody teaches of whether it's theory to them. And this isn't saying that if somebody teaches something from the concept that doesn't, uh, they don't say it's theory, doesn't mean it's absolutely true. You have to do the evaluation, dig in, and look into it to figure out, is it really true? But we have, you know, um, the theory of evolution. And, you know, I don't know in this day and age what exactly they're teaching in science as far as creation, you know, as far as what exists here. You know, do they do they teach it now? I'm not sure my kids have been out for a while, so... I don't know exactly what they teach, but I know that when I was coming up in it, the thing that they were teaching was the theory of evolution. And so we have an education system that is in place to give you knowledge, but your knowledge is based in theory because they're teaching you theories of things, not absolute truth of things. And again, it's not a complete across the board, but the objective goal, and it's like we're, our objective goal here with not just the podcast, but when we have our gathering and whatever we do, is to speak what we know and know what we speak. Meaning that 
I don't want to try to teach somebody in theory. Now, if I have a theory about something, then the objective goal is to open up a Socratic conversation with somebody about that until we can truly determine by God whether it is fact or whether it is not. And if it is fact, then we will state it as fact. And if it's theory, we'll state it as theory. There's a, a key, and in today's church society, you hear these terms that tell you it's theory and what they're teaching many, many times. And the terms are, well, I think, well, I believe, uh, those are theory. That That's, you're not 100% sure, because when you are 100% sure, you're, no, this is the way it is. Now, I'm not going to sit and repeat the same thing over and over and over and over and over again if it's absolutely true. Well, if it's true, it'll stand by itself. I don't have to defend the truth of God at all. And if I have to repeat it over and over and over again, then I'm trying to convince myself that I know it's true. And the sad thing is, is people don't even realize that they tell on themselves. And we all do it from various different things that you point out something that somebody else is doing. Well, you're just told on yourself because the reason you can see what they're doing is because you've done it somewhere in your life, if not still doing it, but you're, you're not seeing it in yourself going back to the hypocrisy perspective. And so it's just kind of crazy to me that in an education system where you want people to be the best educated that they can be, that you would think that they would stay away from theory. And this is even more so important when you're teaching the things of God. You know, Messiah didn't go around saying, well, you know, I think that the Father uh, is like this. And no, he was, he spoke as one who had authority. Why? Because he did. And not because of who he was, but because of the truth that he knew and that he was speaking. And so this plays a big factor in if somebody says, you know, we there's a, a new thing nowadays, and I'm not putting going to put myself on one side or the other of this issue, but why would we be trying to teach in a school critical race theory? I don't have a problem if you have absolutions in knowledge and understanding of a, of a topic, uh, you could teach it if, it if you have the absolute truth about it. Critical race condition. But it's a theory. And again, I'm not, I'm not putting myself on one side or the other of that theory. But what we're doing here is we're not here to talk about theory. We're not here to talk about what we think. And if we do, we will state it as uh, we think, uh, letting you know that it's 
our opinion, but not, it's not an absolute truth. And, you know, this is something we've done in the gathering. We've, we've said this multiple times, speak what you know and know what you speak. So <clears throat> when we know we're having a Socratic conversation, then we'll have questions back and forth and we'll talk it out. And, you know, we're not really teaching the, uh, whatever it is we're talking about. We're, uh, learning about it so that we can grasp more and more of the truth so that when we do speak about it from a truth perspective, it's locked in and we can say, this is how it is. Okay. Just, you know, except Jesus is Lord and Savior. Okay. We can say with absolution, that is not going to get you into the kingdom from the concept that it's being taught. Well, just profess that he's the son of God and you're sorry for your sins and I uh, invite him into your heart and it's done. Now that's theory. Okay. Fact is that if you truly make him Lord of your life, if you truly accept him as Lord and make him as Lord of your life, which means you will do everything he did and you will do what he told you, he tells you to do. Then, and only then will you have it. Because when he is Lord of your life, you are walking in full obedience and therefore sin is completely removed because sin is disobedience. And if you walk in the obedience because you believe in him, then there is no sin and you live your life in appropriation with what he says. And if you do that, you will then be saved. But even as we sit here now, Sean, we are not saved with the ending of the ED, but we're in the process of being saved or God is in the process of saving us. But we can't say we're saved because it's not locked in until death. Death locks it in and therefore we're saved. Uh, at that point of death, we're either saved or condemned, period. That's the end of it. Um, and uh, I'll turn it over to you here in just a second, but um, we're going to get into a little bit more of discussion about evolution and creation and how they work as well. Just hearing those words again, it, it just giving more understanding on this, that what we were told, speak what you know and know what you speak. And we not only are able to say clearly and truthfully that if your mindset is all you have to do is accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and you're saved based on your understanding, that it's not true. And the reason we can say it's not true is because we have heart knowledge of that and we have heart knowledge of what the truth of what it takes. So this isn't just, well, I, we just talked about this and I've just made an, a, um, made a decision to that it's not the truth. No, I mean, we can give a good answer and say, well, we know it isn't because and we can give a good answer and explanation so that knowing part means the experience. 
that speak what you've experienced because you know it like you're sitting in the chair so you can speak that you know you're sitting in the chair. It's not, well, I think, well, if you think it's still, then do you really know it? You're, you're still, you know, rolling it. But just thinking about the concept of the truth of God, that when the things that we talk about, that we've been taught by God and we've been actually have experience in it and have wisdom in it, which wisdom we've talked about before is, is that when you're able to give a solution to not only say that we've solved the problem and we're solving the problem, but we can give a solution on how to do it. And with this concept of the uh, creation and evolution from, and I'm like you, that it's been just so long, you know, being out of school and stuff that, but from what I remember of this is it's either you're on one side or the other. Like that if you're, if you believe that creation is the way it goes, then you're going to reject evolution. And if you believe evolution is the way, then you're uh, going to reject that, that there's a God. And, and that's really the ultimate basis of this is if we can get a God out of the picture, the one that we know exists and that brings punishment and holds the keys to all punishment, then we can explain away and excuse behavior that we don't have to answer for because if God doesn't exist, then, well, God doesn't exist because, I, and then I can just escape punishment because just like with what we have in the world now with the transgender and stuff, if I just pretend in my mind that I'm a man or woman, then I don't have to face punishment. I don't have to face reality. <laughs> and the thing is, is that truth is reality. And if you don't want to face it, you're going to have to face it at some point. So face the truth of God now. And instead of waiting to the end, because if you wait to the end, then you will see the truth of God and it's going to be too late. So it's like one of those things that go ahead and bite the bullet and deal with it now. Then having to deal with it later when you're going to be in a place where you can't change it. And with the concept that you know, I was bringing out that given this truth is that what I find interesting about creation and evolution is that one cannot exist without the other. <coughs> Because what happens is, is people think that, well, with evolution, like you said, it's a theory. It's not a law of evolution. It's a theory of evolution that something just exists from something and then it just evolves. But how can you evolve if there was no creation? You know, it's just like you, you attempt to remove God from it to say that, well, we just, there was an explosion or there was a beam of light that just came in and we just existed. And, but even in your own speaking about that, you don't understand that you're bringing the subject out, but you're attempting to put the creator or the intelligent design to the side. But you look at the reality in the world. All right, so I have a car that I drove over here. Okay, am I going to believe that the car just was and the car just continues to be on its own? No, there has to be a creator to design the car for the car to be able to run and function. The car cannot just, you know, I'm not going to go outside and all of a sudden there's an explosion and, oh, here, here's the Honda, it exists. No, it's foolish, and somebody would say, you know, somebody brings a casserole over to your house, you're having a meal, and you're like, you know, who made this? And they're like, I made it. And it's like, no, you know, it, it made itself. 
What? Yeah, casserole made itself. And people looked at you by, what do you mean the casserole made itself? Yeah. It made itself. And they would look at you like you're crazy. And well, because for something to exist, there has to be a creator. There has to be a designer. You know, the clothes that I'm wearing, there has to be a designer to to bring this into being or this shirt and these pants wouldn't be what they are. But what people do is, like we talked about, that people attempt to avoid punishment. And that's why to, to get punishment out, you get God out. And then therefore, you make up this theory of how things just evolved. But then, well, where did it start? Well, we don't know. It, it's just that, okay, all right, so you don't know. So you're not basing this in what you know. It's, it's what you think you know. Because I've seen these debates before. It's like, well, where did it start? And then people start, well, you're, you're just trying to get me or, yeah, but, you know, who created the space for the universe? Well, it, it was just there and there was an explosion. Well, how do you explain that? Well, we don't really know. We just, you don't really know, but then you're going to sit there and profess that this is true. And the, the truth of this is, is that there can be no evolution without God. Because once something is created, it's always in existence. So Yah creating the world, that the world is here and creation is going, and once created, then something is able to evolve and change. So evolution, and the truth of it, is taking what has already been made and growing and expanding it, just like if you plant a seed, that you plant it in the ground, the, the seed for the apple tree or the orange tree exists, and you plant it, and then once it starts growing, it evolves. It evolves into a little sapling, and then it evolves into the buds, and then it evolves into the actual fruit itself, and then you pick the fruit, and then you have seeds in the fruit, and then you can replant them again. So in an attempt to remove Yah, Evolution was brought about, but the truth is, is that evolution has Yah all in it. That something cannot evolve unless it's first created. And it's just a misunderstanding of, and the only way we're able to understand this is that Yah gave us this truth, is that Yah is all in evolution. Because just like with hell, that once you come into being, you always exist. You're either going to exist in eternity in the kingdom of God, or you're going to exist in the abyss burning forever, but you're going to be evolving and the, uh, the evolution is going to be, you're just going to continually get worse and worse and worse in the kingdom. You're going to continue to just improve and improve and just keep moving and growing. So in an attempt to remove God and the truth of it is that, that with creation and evolution, it's actually the two go together and they're all in God. So, with what we're bringing out is that we're not saying that um, creation and evolution are separate from each other. We're saying that creation and evolution are together. Correct. And like you said, uh, creation comes first, evolution comes second. And just real quick, I'm going to uh, read the definition of evolve because the word evolution is the, the base word is evolve and the 
uh, end of it is there to tell you it's the process of evolving. So to evolve, and this is the uh, the definition of evolve, evolve, and it's interesting because when you look things up like this, you've got so many different dictionaries. <coughs> and so sometimes I'll go to the Webster's or uh, this is from uh, Oxford languages. Develop gradually, especially from a simple to more complex form. Okay, so for something to evolve, it has to develop gradually uh, from a simple to a more complex form. And so, like you were saying, the uh, creation is the created part of it, and then once something's created, then it evolves. <clears throat> That's why when God created the plants of the field, that God did not just, boom, here's a plant in the field. He put uh, that part of creation under evolving. And you went through the process, you have the seed and then it grows and then it, from that simple form of the seed, it grows to the, the little sprout and then the sprout grows into the plant. The plant produces fruit, the fruit produces seed, seed falls from the plant, goes back in, it, it returns to its simple form and then the process starts over again and that's why we have the regeneration of plants when springtime comes around that from spring to fall you have that evolution of those plants until they produce a seed and the seed then returns to the simple form and then starts over again and so we have that process now god created man differently God created man from the dust of the earth, so he formed the man. And then from there, man evolves by, you, you have, first off, you had the separation of Eve out of Adam. And then the two had to come together, Adam having the seed that then had to be, uh, cross-pollinated with the egg and then so we started the simple form of an embryo and then that simple form of the embryo then grows into a infant and then a toddler and then the process continues on I uh, and the the beauty part is it's in everything but it's goes back to understanding the wording because many times people say, well, it's semantics and well, no, defining words is an important perspective. And especially uh, if you're able to take that word and draw it all the way back to the ancient Hebrew, which would have been the original or even farther than that, the original language would have been the language of God. But, that confused at the Tower of Babel. 
we have, again, we had a language that was in a simple form and because of, they were separated, it was, it was made so complex that we can't communicate with somebody else who doesn't speak our same language because it's too complex for us. And so the objective of evolve is everywhere. It's in, it's in everything. Here's the interesting fact that God created a balance for evolving, for evolution. In this creation, the way God created it, he created things to evolve into a, uh, from a simple form into a greater form, but he also put the reverse effect into it. He put decay, which is the opposite of evolve. So even as a human, you evolve to a certain point, and then once you hit a certain point in your life, and I don't know exactly where that is, but then your body starts to decay. You know, you you grow up and you get, you know, and not everybody, you know, some die before they get uh to the adult stage or but the reality is is that you evolve to decay and everything does the, the the trees the you know eventually they're going to decay why because the word of god says that he subjected creation to corruption for that reason because it controls the evolving process and the process is the same Here's what's interesting, is that in that little simple seed, the seed within itself is simple because it's in its, it's, it's in the simplest form it can be, okay? But within that seed is intricate, great design that causes that seed every time it goes into the ground to become whichever plant that they came from. And that doesn't change unless man tries to manipulate it. And if man manipulates it, then they try to sit back and say, see, see, it's not the same. And but, but no, you manipulated it. And evolving doesn't say manipulation. It doesn't say it comes about by you manipulating something to turn it into something else. You know, yeah, uh, we have banapples. What the heck is a banapple? Well, it's a mix between a banana and an apple. So you're telling me that an apple seed and a banana seed just fell side by side and merged together? No. What happened? In a laboratory, somebody decided they were going to manipulate it and put it together, that's not evolving. That's not evolution, that's manipulation. <laughs> the process of manipulating. And so you have to remove the manipulation and that's what they try to do with this whole theory of evolution is you, you, you're trying to manipulate things and it's like this. If you don't try to intervene 
and change something. You don't try to manipulate it. It won't always be what it is. That there's an oak tree is going to produce an oak tree. If you don't manipulate it, it will always produce an oak tree. And you can, okay, well, yeah, well, we made this, we made this uh, new fruit with a banana and an apple, so that means that evolution is true. No, that means that manipulation is true, and manipulation to a point. But you had to have an apple seed and a banana seed in order to advance from that. You didn't just have an explosion and look, a banana apple. It, it looks like a banana or it tastes like an apple. Or I don't know. I, I have no idea. That's just one that came to mind that I know that they've, uh, somebody has come up with somewhere in some laboratory. <clears throat> but the reality is, is that you have decay. And it's a necessary part because think about, you know, how you have the tomato plant that's producing the tomatoes and it never, it never dies and it continually produces tomatoes and then those tomatoes never rot because rotting would be the decay process, the dying and Think of how many tomatoes we would have today by just one tomato plant planted by Noah after the flood. We, we, we would be, we would, we, you wouldn't have room to keep the tomatoes and people would be sick and tired of tomatoes. We've got too many dang old tomatoes. Why? Because, but that's why God put decay in the process so that things can be controlled from the evolving process. And the reality is, is you evolve to die. So that you have a place of either continual deterioration to no end, or continual evolving in the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, there will be no decay, uh, there'll be no corruption, and therefore we will continue to learn and grow and understand. And that's why the, the vast expanse of, I mean, we think the vast expanse of just what we call uh, the universe is big. But what about the vast expanse of the place where God dwells, which is heaven, which the universe is a part of that. It's a, it's a piece within side of the kingdom of God. So it's a huge territory that God has, but it's really important that it's understood that evolve is true. It is a part of life. And, you know, times in the past, I would have said something, something like, well, it, 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 that evolution doesn't exist. And I did make those statements in the past. Evolution doesn't exist. It's all creation. Evolution doesn't exist. Well, but I spoke 
without knowing that it does exist. If we can talk about it, it exists. The, the key is, is in knowing the truth about whatever it is you're talking about and keeping it within the laws that are wrapped around it. A dog will always be a dog. Always. A dog will always be a dog. And dogs will produce dogs. We, we don't have half human, half dogs. Now, we have stories of, you know, uh, fiction of, you know, the, what is it, the monitor, half man, half horse. Um, that, that's somebody put that together in their mind. But that doesn't exist in this world because it's not a possibility. Now, you can manipulate things and make them look as though they have changed, but they didn't change. You tried to create something different. So it's not, it, you, you can't put that in the evolution process. And this goes to the topic that you brought up about the transgender. I don't care if you want to pretend that you're one or the other. That, that's between you and God. You you do what you want. But without the manipulation of man or without the manipulation of, you know, people, <clears throat> you will never be anything different than a man if you're born a man and anything different than a woman if you're born a woman. And you will not be anything different than because sometimes you have uh, where the person has uh, both male and female body parts. Well, you will always be that without the manipulation of mankind in the midst of that. And if you manipulate it, you're not turning something into the other. You're just cre you're just kind of creating a new uh, what you would call species or a new aspect that is not new at all, all you're doing is you're mutilating the flesh in order to try to prove that what you think is true is true. It's a theory. And as long as it's a theory, it's not true. And the beauty part is how the answers to all the major questions that people have they lie within the confines of faith. There are so many things that can be answered. You know, alien life, universes that are uh, that that are beyond this universe. That you know, oh, there's got to be life out there. And you know, what about the alien and the alien visiting and all these different uh, concepts? You can get understanding through faith in God. Now, will they give you all the information? No. Because no, any information we get is still just another drop in the bucket. Uh, and we haven't even gotten to all the drops that are in the bucket, more or less in the uh, rivers and then the oceans of all the water, all the knowledge and wisdom of God that there is. And so it's just really interesting that when we look at this, evolve does exist. It's just taking something from a simpler form 
to more complex, from embryo to full-grown adult, from seedling to full-grown tree that produces a fruit and then produces another seed, and then just continues the process as we go through uh, seasons and uh, days and years and months. It's just a uh, just another big piece that it would be good for people to understand in order to be able to see the creation of God and how what God created evolves. That And just like you said, you can't have evolution without creation. And we, we can't have conversation without God because the Word of God was God and was with God and referring to God as the Word, they, they formulated Word for a reason. What was the reason? For description. If, if we had no Word, or if we had no description of something, it wouldn't exist. It couldn't exist because you can't describe it and if you can't describe it, it doesn't exist. But, but if you can talk about it, it exists because you have words to describe and people say, oh, God doesn't exist. Yes, God does. And it's, so it's not a matter of necessarily the existence of it. It's a matter of the understanding and the knowledge. And the only way you're going to get that knowledge of God is to seek God with all of your heart. You're not going to get that knowledge by listening to us and, yep, that's it. That's, that's what it is. No. You, you have to pursue God and let God make it clear to you. And then when you have that fullness of faith in God, then God can open up the doors for you to see and recognize and understand the things that are out there to be understood. <clears throat> and this, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but because you know, where we are now, there's a lot of trees outside. Do you ever look at the tree and think about that this started as a little seed. Like we forget that in order for any kind of plant or if you go to the grocery store and you see produce, well, that's the fruit of that plant. But just remember lettuce or cilantro, whatever it is, is that that started as a seed. And my mind was actually um, rolling this as you were speaking about seed and thinking about the faith journey that, you can't have faith in Yah if you don't have evolution in faith because you start with seeking with all your heart. Well, that evolves to believe God and that evolves to believe in and then that evolves to repent and then that evolves to repentance and that evolves to obey and that evolves to obedience and, and on and on. And, you know, one of those scriptures that you'll hear multiple times and you'll hear the word of God and then you'll hear something else and it's like, oh, Okay, that gives a little bit more information just to lock it in, a little bit more knowledge of the scripture. And think about this, right? So you have the seed, and in the word of God, it says that the, the truth of God is for Abraham and his seed, which is Christ, which is Messiah. All right, so even Yah's given just a, a more of an understanding of, do you see how 
the truth that we're speaking is true because, all right, you have Messiah as the seed. In order for the church to grow into a beautiful tree, well, the seed has to be planted. The seed has to die first. Because if you plant a seed, the seed has to die in, for, in, in order for all the what's within that seed to come out and grow. So Messiah had to die so that the seed would be planted. And then as he dies, and then it starts to grow, and then it be, grows into this beautiful tree because we have, you know, I think it's a parable or something talking about that, you know, the birds come to the tree and nest in the shade. Well, it's talking about that in order for the big tree to grow, that it's got to die first. And that's the thing is in order for you to um, be a Messiah, to have circumcision of heart, you have to die. You have to be buried with Messiah through baptism into death, just like you have to be planted in him like that seed so that you die. And then circumcision of heart, you're raised from the dead. And now that tree starts to grow. And Messiah says, I'm the vine. You're the branches apart from me. You can do nothing. So, the seed Messiah was planted in order that we could have faith, but we do the same thing as him. We've got to die like he did so that we can grow up into the tree and we're grafted into the tree of life. Um, we're not the tree, but Messiah is that tree. Well, actually, Yah is the tree. So Yah gives us this information. And then because apart from you not being in the tree of life, you cannot produce fruit. You cannot produce the fruit of the spirit without being in me. So he gives us this growing process. And the scripture says, in the beginning, all things were made by him and for him and through him. It's the seed. It's everything that God had planted. Everything in the creation had Yeshua in mind because he's the one that reconciles all things were made for him. So all things were made by him, the spirit of him, for him and through him. Everything has life. So Yah designed it this way that all things will be reconciled to him because he's the seed. He's the start of everything. So in order to have faith in God, you have to be baptized because we talked about this before, because you have to be buried unto death with him in baptism so that you die. The old is gone. The new has come. You break open and you start growing and you produce fruit and you're going to be included in the kingdom. So this isn't just a discussion of creation and evolution to where I understand that it's, but it goes back to faith that, that, in order to produce fruit, in order to be in Messiah, you have to be without sin because you can't remain in the tree of life if you have sin in your life. You have to get away from death, be grafted into the tree of life because you can't produce the fruit of the Spirit if you have sin. So it just it just goes back to this. Just this brings another aspect of understanding of the gospel message is that you've got to die. This isn't just you accept that, you know, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Yeah. Messiah is risen indeed. He's immortal now and he's the tree of life. So you must die like him. So, yes, if you truly accept him as Lord and Savior, then you will die like he did and you will walk as he did. And not only will you accept um, Yeshua as Lord and Savior, you'll accept Abba as Lord and Savior if you walk in repentance, if you accept Mother. That's your Lord and Savior. So you have to have all aspects of God to be saved because you can't come to Yeshua without repentance. You can't have mother in your heart without having circumcision on the heart, without obeying God, and then your mindset of never sinning again, and then a reality of you not sinning anymore. 
just continues on. And then because the parable of the sower, the, the seed is the word of God, but how you plant it and what it gets planted in is key because you get it planted in somebody seeking with all their heart versus not. And God tells you the difference. All right, you get it into ground. You get it into a mind that's stony. You get it into a mind that's got thorns and thistles. It's going to be choked out, but you get it into good ground. Then, because the seed can thrive, it can produce fruit. And, and Yah has given us this, but you have to, um, we wouldn't have the seasons. You know, there's a season and a time for everything. Well, that's talking about evolution, that you have summer, and then summer evolves to fall, and then fall evolves to winter, and then winter goes to spring, and it just keeps going and going. But if you didn't have those seasons, then there is nothing to evolve. So evolution is all around us and, and, and all things that have been created. But, you know, nothing, something can't evolve unless it's created. So something that doesn't exist cannot evolve. So this is all about things that exist. And it's just an understanding of it's taking it from leaning on your own understanding of what evolution is to what the truth is, is that once created, it will start to evolve or it will devolve, like you said, which is decay. And it's the natural order of things. But what happens is, is that man doesn't like it because of selfishness. So you attempt to manipulate the natural order of things. And whenever man attempts to change the things of God, it doesn't go well. You know, you can sit there and say, oh, well, this is better. But no, leave it as the natural order because if it's not the natural order, it's going to bring chaos and it's going to bring pain and things like that. And this is just a great understanding of the brainwashing and mind control and the cognitive dissonance is that, because I'm just like you, I would look at it and say, well, evolution, no, it's just, it's fake. It's just made up. Never without Yas help, never would even have thought of something evolving. You know, we have this with the sun and the earth. Well, the earth revolves around the sun, which means it's a circular pattern. And same thing with um, evolving, that it's circular, it's continually growing, that, you know, you have, you know, Anna Ruth and Josh, they have a young child, Liliana. Well, she's evolving because she's created, and now she evolves. So she's not going to stay the age that she is now. No, she's going to grow up, be a teenager, an adult, and she just keeps going. And then when she has kids, and then they're created, and they evolve, and it's just the, the process just keeps going and going. But this is a, just a beautiful truth of God to just bring, to, just to put to death chaos in your mind of, no, quit attempting to suppress God and get Yah out of the picture and either accept or reject it because with God there's creation. And once that creation is put into being, then that evolves and it just continues and continues. So. Find yourself where you find the fullness of faith, where you're planted in God, and you find yourself in the tree of life, and you stay in that, and it'll go well for you. But the the problem is, is that the teaching that's out there doesn't give the full picture, and if the person doesn't seek with all their heart before they die, then they're not going to find it, and then you're going to have to face God and realize that all this information is there, but you just chose the path of selfishness. You didn't choose the path of God. So I just find this, even, you know, getting information that it just helps explain more and more about what God does. Well, and even the fact that sometimes the evolution of one thing brings about the decay of another. 
So if you're evolving your from your simple form to a more complex form in your faith in God, then you're decaying in your old life the way you used to live. So it, it's a process of that because the objective of this life is for you to live to die. That just like the plants of the field, they wither and perish. Well, do not humans grow up to a certain point and then start to wither and perish? But there's a, there's a purpose within that process of evolution to decay. And that purpose is producing seed. And you can look at it from a faith perspective. Here's what came to me from Mother, as you were talking earlier, that who plants the seed? The, the gardener. Okay, so you have a gardener who has the seed, and he plants the seed, and then like uh, Paul said, one plants, the other waters, but God makes the increase. So look at it from this perspective. And this goes back to what we talked about, about you having to go to the Father first. Okay, every individual born into this life is a land. And is that land good for seed? What seed is that land good for? You know, it, because land can be good for nothing but thorns and thistles, and you're not going to have a good crop and a harvest of good food and good fruit that's going to come from that. You're only going to have thorns and thistles, and they will continue to produce their own seed that will grow in hard, rocky soil, which is the, the concept of people who reject the existence of God. Yeah, they have plants growing, we call them weeds. And so the objective is, is we're the ground. God is the gardener. Messiah is the seed. Mother is the water. So we go to Abba first. And we go to Abba to show that we're ground that is uh, vibrant and ready and willing to accept the seed, then when he sees that the land is good, then he'll, he'll uh, spread that seed into that land. So Messiah brings you to Messiah by planting the seed of Messiah in you. Then you grow up with Messiah in learning the obedience, being watered by mother, until you become full grown. And the objective is, in that seed of Messiah, is the way, the truth, and the life. And when that seed grows up in you, then you have the opportunity to produce seed that the seed will automatically come from us, but some will be scattered on rocky soil, some on uh, just thin soil that it'll spring up, but then, and then some will be, some will hit the, uh, the good soil 
and it'll take root and it'll go up into a good tree. The objective goal of our faith is to produce the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, all these different things. As we're producing that fruit within us, now it's by Yah, but the seeds that fall from that fruit have an opportunity to land on somebody who's seeking God with all of their heart, who wants to know the truth. And wow, I, I didn't see that before. And then you have it start to grow within you. And then you get that more uh, compassion. I mean, that more passion and that more burning and that more desire for more and more. And you're just continuing to fertilize and to work the soil so that you can take more and more in. So we, we have look at our heart as the garden. And in the beginning, it's just solid rock. We can't, you know, nothing can be planted there. It's just the seeds going to hit and it's just going to bounce off and nothing's going to grow there. Then circumcision of the heart, this, the, uh, top layer is taken away, but you still have that hard packed soil that we continue to work in our lower conscience and we start to soften that and then as that softens seed can be planted and then as that seed's growing we're continuing to uh, cultivate and plow and till until we have room for more seed and more seed and that's how we advance and we grow in the knowledge and wisdom of god and so the design within the seed of messiah is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the design. That through that seed is the way to God, the truth, and the life. So all that is involved in that seed. And if you live out the faith, and if you can see that you have fruit of the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, and all these terminologies that we use, don't go by what you think from a human perspective. Understand them from God's perspective when they brought them out. Because love is not the soft, cuddly, it's going to be okay. But it's doing what's best for somebody, even when they're not liking what's happening. But it truly is best for them. And if they know that you're doing what's best for them, then they may not like it, but they'll accept you. Or they'll accept it because they know that you're doing what's best for them. But not everybody will accept that because well, I want everything to feel good. So I don't care if you, if you're, you think you're doing it for uh, my best interest and get away from me because I don't like that or I don't want that. Okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll move on because I, I can't, there's, there's no sense in beating a dead horse. And so when we look at this aspect of what uh, had been taught, at least in the past from the evolution perspective, that, you know, everything we understand came from an explosion. And I don't write out the fact that God used an explosion. I mean, the Bible says he scattered the stars in the sky. Well, what better way to scatter the stars in the sky than to have an explosion? But it also says that he created the heavens and the earth, that, that he specifically, it didn't come from just a huge explosion. And from that concept, okay, it would be like me 
picking up a pile of dog excrement and throwing it against the wall. And then I call someone on the phone, Sean, I threw the dog excrement on the wall and my bank account jumped to $40,000. Just, I just threw it against the wall and just chanced. <coughs> my bank account's got $40,000 in it. <clears throat> so I'm going to go get some more and, and throw it and see what else comes out of it. No. You scoop it up, put it in a bag, and you get rid of it. If you really believe in evolution, we don't need a sewer system. We don't need a garbage dump. Because it's all going to evolve into a better form anyway. So why are we getting rid of things? And it's the beauty part is God continually giving proof that your theory of evolution is not correct because you choose not to acknowledge God and the creation of what he created, and therefore you're turned over to a depraved mind. But you won't accept that because if you accept you're turned over to a depraved mind and you're doing things that ought not be done, then you have to recognize punishment and accept the fact that you're going to be punished, where all along, in order to remove punishment, you have to eliminate God. And therefore, not only will you eliminate the you know sewer systems, the, the uh, uh, garbage dumps, because if we're in evolution, all that stuff's going to evolve into a greater form. And so, someone, don't throw your garbage away. Just clear a spot in your living room and dump it on the floor. Eventually, it's going to become a couch. It, you know, chance says that it's going to become a couch or it's going to become a nice, comfortable armchair. <clears throat> no, people don't do that, but they want to believe that that's the way it is with uh, how things came to be in this world. And it, it's what we would call nonsense. It, it just doesn't make sense. And I remember even as a kid learning about the uh, theory of evolution and it made no sense to me at all. Because if man evolved from monkeys, then where did the dogs evolve from? Well, why are we just drawing it back to a man? Because you can draw similar characteristics in form because monkeys walk on, you know, they don't always walk on all fours. And What's the, the realistic perspective? And even as a young kid, I was like, that makes no sense to me because if we, if evolution truly was uh, the way that things came about, then you wouldn't have what they call a missing link because you would be able to go back over time and you would have every single process step in the process but it's but they're only putting it to humankind evolved but again what about the dog what's the dog going to be 20 years from now 100 years from now still going to be a dog Do dogs don't go outside of a laboratory and procreate with each other I mean, with other animals. Bears don't 
have intimate relationships with deer. So you have, well, we have a bear now because it's a bear and a deer. And no, outside of a laboratory, you cannot get away from the fact that creation is a part of it. Because again, if evolution was a part of it, then animals would crossbreed by themselves, not humans doing it, but, and then you would produce, they would be able to produce another uh, species where now you have a aspect of within the dog family, you'll have crossbreeding, but the dogs will breed with dogs, period. A dog is not going to breed with a cat. A cat is not going to breed with a horse. You know, it's just, that's the whole uh, aspect that tells you that creation and design are how things came into existence. But after that, evolution is a part of the process of those things growing up from their simple form. And that simple form is the beginning part and it does not come from an explosion that that's ridiculous that if i throw poo against the wall the only thing i have is a mess to clean up that's it that's the only thing came from that and the other thing that is huge in this if you truly believe that creation doesn't exist and evolution is the way, then not only will you not have sewer systems and you will not have uh, garbage dumps, but you will not have a moral compass. You will have not have any kind of morality, any kind of uh, where somebody can do you wrong because that doesn't exist. In a society of evolution, and evolution only, <clears throat> morals don't exist. Why? Because it's everything's going to evolve. And if you think you have morals now, you're not going to have morals a thousand years from now. But that's not the case. Man, man has been a man and woman has been a woman since 6,000 years ago. And that hasn't changed. Now, people pretend to be something different and people will mutilate the body by going to doctors and having something done to, to try to attempt to make that change. But natural selection, the nature of things says, no, without interference, a dog will always be a dog. A dog will always breed with a dog. And so they will always produce dogs. Yes, you have different breeds of dogs that will crossbreed, but they're still a dog. It's not, you don't have a mix between the cat family and the dog family. It, it's an impossibility for that to happen outside of somebody trying to manipulate it. And if they are able to manipulate it, they try to use that as proof of an evolutionary theory rather than no that's manipulation one-on-one and that's not a theory 
That's a fact. Because you manipulated it. Evolution is, is that it manipulates itself to become something else. So if you show me some, a dog that started out as a dog and after 10 years became a cat with no intervention from anybody else, then I might entertain your theory of evolution. But creation is not a theory. Creation is an absolute. It's the truth of God and evolution from the creation perspective exists and is good. But you have to understand it from the, the, the confines and the, the laws and rules that make that thing what it is. And so uh, those are just some interesting things of thinking about, you know, you, you, you're going to just dump your garbage because eventually it's going to evolve into something else. No, what's it going to do? It's going to decay because it has already involved, evolved into something. And then you decided at some point that I don't need this anymore. So you get rid of it. It's not being maintained because it's not being maintained. It's going to decay and it's going to return back to its original form, which was dust of the earth. It's not going to become this beautiful mural that you're going to have that's just going to hang on your wall once, once it all comes together and evolves into something. We're going to hang it on the wall and we're going to show everybody. No. You're going to continue to use the sewer system we have in this country. You're going to continue to use the garbage dumps. So seek the truth of God so you understand and recognize these things. So as we're talking about this, we can conclude through the truth that the aspect of what the world brings about is evolution is a theory because it's rooted in suppression of God to avoid punishment. That that's even if somebody doesn't consciously know that, that's the basis of the theory of evolution is because we don't want God to exist because if God exists, then I'm gonna to have to face judgment and punishment. So I'm going to lean on my own understanding and come up with a theory of how this all works and taking God out of it. And that's the thing is man leans on their understanding. That's why these things come about because the creation of God, the evidence of God is clear through creation. Their invisible qualities have been made known through creation. But if man attempts to manipulate it, that's what the evolution theory is. It's a manipulation. I'm trying to manipulate what God has put into place. And the thing is, is that you can attempt it, but ultimately it'll fail because you would think that with the intelligence of people that I don't even know how long this has been around, maybe a hundred years on how long the theory of evolution is, but it hasn't changed to the law of evolution. It's still the theory. Well, we think, and, and it's true, if you say you think, you believe, you don't know for sure. But what I'm just ultimately getting from this is that it's the avoidance of punishment. And it's the, it's the saying that God doesn't exist because you seek to avoid punishment. Because if you think about it, if why would you even care if God existed or not? Why would that even be an issue unless it's something to do with 
something that you don't like or you don't agree with because, all right, well, if God exists and, and it doesn't bother me because I don't care. But when you say God doesn't exist, that you do it because you're, you don't want to deal with the ultimate punishment that you know in your lower conscience, even though you don't see it, that the, the written code is in place and I'm condemned and I'm going to avoid this punishment. So if I just say something doesn't exist, then it doesn't exist. Or if I just suppress it, like, you know, I have to do a task or something, and I just suppress it, well, it doesn't exist. That you're ultimately going to, you know, just like with anything, ultimately the season is going to come around, like you put something off, it'll come around eventually, you know, at a certain point, because, you know, the how do you think we came up with this term, what goes around comes around? Well, it's, it's, it's evolving. That you do somebody wrong at some point, it's going to come back to you because there's a, a cause and effect. Because think about it, this isn't just to the creation of God in evolution. This is in your thinking, all right, you create something by your own thoughts, and then it just, nothing happens. No, it evolves because somebody get you get frustrated at somebody and you lash out. All right, well, now something's evolving unless you put it to death and it goes away. Like, you know what, I'm sorry for, that's not going to happen. Okay. Well, then that starts the creation of something else that evolves. Because you, um, here recently, there's like a lot of mass shootings, all right? Well, the mass shooting happens, that's created, and then nothing happens after that. No, think about now it evolves to what are the consequences that have started this creation. So what you sow is what you reap. So it's just another way to get away from excuses because what you create will evolve. So if you want a different evolution, to something you're doing, you want to change something, then you've got to put to death what's been evolving and make a change to your mind so that you can start the evolution process in the next. So every decision has creation and evolution. So see first the kingdom of God and the righteousness. What evolves from that? All these things will be added unto you. Well, I, I, I just want God to give me what I need. All right, well, they'll give you what you need, but... But that's the thing. It's like, don't worry, because worry evolves into stress, and then it just keeps going where perfect love drives out fear. Okay, well, then that creates peace, and then that evolves. It keeps evolving. So that just came to mind that, yes, this is the premise of the existence of God, which with the existence of God, you have creation and evolution, but within that, in your own thinking, because you become what you think about and act upon. So you create function in your mind, then function will evolve. You create dysfunction, dysfunction will evolve. Now, when you create an evolved function, then dysfunction decays. So it goes in the, it goes in the other direction. So once again, your choices, and we talked about this, your choices evolve. So you want better evolution? Change your, your mind, make better choices, godly choices. And then, because I thought about this, that there's a difference between being quick and rushing. Okay. The things of God are not rushed. Okay. But you can be quick. And, and here's what I mean. I want cilantro. Because one of my favorite, I like making tacos. I really like the cilantro. Okay. All right. Well, if I have a bag of seeds of cilantro, if I plant that cilantro seed, I'm not going to get the plant in an hour. There's a natural order of things that if you do what's necessary, just like you talked about with Abba, Ima, and Yeshua, that you have the gardener, the seed, and the water. 
if you go in the right process, it will produce the cilantro that you're looking for. But don't think that when you plant that seed that in a day that you're going to get cilantro. You're not. So when the word says be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, you know, it, it's talking about that there's an order of things that you, you must do, but you have to do it in the right order, but you're not going to get the desired result. And, and so the things of God, the, the things that we plant, like the mind changes and things, it, it's, it's, we want it to just be done immediately. Well, the only thing that you can do quickly is to set your mind. And then the process starts after that. But that's the thing that we have to set our mind to get it into the heart to then get the changes to stick, just like the seed for it to break open and start growing. But yeah, this, this whole concept of creation evolution is that we, we have the ability to create, even if you have faith in God or not. But ultimately, with faith in God, you can, you can get good fruit produced, but you have to go through the order of uh, how it goes into place so that you can change your thinking. And then that will ultimately evolve into, as long as you keep your thinking on functional things or dysfunctional, because that's why people, you know, people, because of their programming, you keep doing the same things over and over. That's the insanity. You, you keep the programming keeps going and it's evolving because that's what's set in place. Unless you change it, nothing's going to change. Like if you have a certain mindset on something, unless you change your mind on it, the evolution of that is just going to keep going and going and going. So just to encourage even us here and those listening that we can change, we can create and evolve. And if we don't like the evolution of something, then change it. I mean, and, and we have the free will to do that. So ultimately, this just speaks to me of ultimately, you cannot blame God or other people for your situation because whatever situation you're in is what you've created and what has evolved from that creation is up to you. So the only way to change it is to get rid of that evolution cycle and start a new cycle. I mean, this is a great, you know, a great thing that we can change our lives by what we create and what evolves. And again, the proof of the existence of God is there. It, it's known by everybody, but whether you suppress it or not, is up to you and and here's a very interesting thing that is another you know things you do things you say things that happen they, they tell on you so generally the people that truly are pushing the fact that god doesn't exist okay if you have a conversation if we were to have a conversation with those people eventually they're going to get mad and angry and probably say uh, hateful things and all that kind of stuff and they don't even realize they're proving that they know God exists because somebody's angry in there you know like you know like shaking with rage and you go up to them and what's the matter with you This thing that doesn't exist just, oh my gosh, it just aggravates the heck out of me. <clears throat> Wait a minute. So something that doesn't exist aggravates you. That's an impossibility. Because if it doesn't exist, it can't have an effect on you. And 
from that perspective, if God doesn't exist, why are you getting angry? Why are you throwing hateful things out there that pertain to a God that doesn't exist? It's because you know God exists. You just continue to suppress the truth. And anybody, I don't care who they are, that if they're professing to you that God doesn't exist, they are suppressing the truth about God. And therefore, they have no ability to know God because God has turned them over to a depraved mind. You have the depraved mind to believe God doesn't exist or to uh, not believe it, but to uh, not accept that God exists. Well, that's a depraved mind. And God says, okay, well, I'm just going to leave you in that. I'm not going to try to drag you out of it. Uh, I'm not going to try to force you to do it. I'm going to leave you in that state of a depraved mind. And in that state of a depraved mind, you're going to do things that ought not be done. Like getting angry at something that doesn't exist. I mean, honestly, it's like you're driving down the road and then just all of a sudden you're screaming and yelling at nothing because I'm not talking about somebody cut you off and you do it. I'm talking about the fact that nothing happened and nothing came along and you're just so angry you've got to stop your car so you don't wreck and screaming and yelling because of nothing. And this uh, ties into, you know, it's, it's what's in your mind and what you accept and what you reject. It's the same concept as an inanimate object. You know, regardless of what side of something you fall on, what is an inanimate object to me? You know, we've recently had the removal of uh, Confederate memorials because of, you know, supposed a race perspective. But it's an inanimate object. It's something formed by man that cannot speak, that cannot oppress you. It cannot do nothing to you, except if you run into it, you might get injured because you weren't paying attention and you ran into it. Aside from that, it can do nothing to you, but you in your mind are all twisted and bent out of shape because, well, instead of removing those things, why aren't we arresting them and putting them in jail? No, we got to, they, no, they did this to me and we need to put them in jail because it's nonsense. It, you're trying to use something else for somebody else to excuse your behavior and with God, it's the same thing. And so you're not going to get angry and hateful about something that doesn't exist. You're not going to even have conversations. You wouldn't entertain a conversation with somebody if you knew God didn't, didn't exist. Well, I don't talk about that. That's not existent. So what's the next subject? No arguments, no fighting. No anger, no frustration, but they don't realize that they tell on themselves because you can't get away. The one thing you can't get away from, no matter how you try to deceive yourself, is you can't get away 
from punishment. The only way that that can be uh, rendered for you is through faith and through the fullness of faith in God. First Abba, then Yerusha, then Mother. It's, it's a fact. Other than that, punishment awaits you, and that's what's driving your life. You may not even know it in your conscious mind, but in your subconscious mind, which is a part of your mind, you know it. And that's why it affects you when, you know, why do people, you know, they get hurt real bad and, oh, God, why, oh, man, this hurts, oh, God. Ooh, why? Because you know that, well, if I die, I'm going to be punished. And so, you know, and even people who will profess that God doesn't exist will use, like, GD. Well, why would you even use that word if it doesn't exist? And do you have the same disdain for the mythological gods as you do for the one true God? You know, do you have, you know, are people getting bent out of shape and twisted uh, when Apollo is named or I? Uh, uh, you can go Nor the Norse gods, uh, Odin. Who, who who's getting bent out of shape about Odin? And because even with with a mythological the mythological gods, and remember, a myth is just something that's not proved. It doesn't mean that it's not necessarily true. But people don't get bent out of shape, and you don't see big arguments and and people getting mad about Odin, who comes from Norse mythology. So why would you get upset about the deity of God, who is real, who is not fake, like Odin? And Odin within himself may have existed as a human that somebody put to a god state, but it's professed that Odin is a god, and honestly, when was the first time or the last time you ever heard anybody fighting against Odin? Because, well, because Odin's not really a god, Odin doesn't have the power over life and death, and therefore, you have no reason to be mad at Odin. But God the one true God of the universe and of, of everything in eternity. And he's the one that holds control over punishment for your choosing to live in a depraved mind of rejection of God. And that's a fact of the matter. It's a rejection of God it's not a fact that you don't believe God exists. You know God exists. You can't get away from it because you talk about it, because you get mad about it. And nothing that doesn't exist will ever be able to make you upset or make you mad or anything like that.
Whitman had, I was watching a scene of a movie and a song came on and I was like, I don't know if this is a remake or not. And I looked it up and found it, listened to it and really enjoyed it. And as you were speaking, it came to mind that I had no thoughts of that at all because it didn't exist. Now it existed, but for me, it didn't exist and I didn't know about it. But then when I did, I have a choice to embrace it, reject it, whatever, but that that's still, unless something changes and is possible, that that's my favorite. And um, those in the gathering, you'll know what, what I mean by this. That my favorite thing is tell me about, because every time it, there were, the response every time is what? Because you know that something has to exist for you to talk about it. And another one of my favorite quotes is like um, Morgan Freeman, racism will stop talking about it. And what he's saying is it doesn't mean that you don't ever bring it up. It just means that you, you're stirring the pot is the old term that if you don't want something to be stirred up again, then don't stir it. It means that just quit bringing that up as an excuse. And let's just talk about truth of it. Is it really about race or is it about fear? Let's really get the truth of this out instead of dancing around or sugarcoating it or whatever, whatever the issue is. The point is not to bring up talking about racism, but, but look for the truth issues instead of what somebody has told you and what you think it is. Because it, you, people, and me included, you'll get yourself riled up over something that you don't understand. And that's why the Word of God says, trust in us with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. It doesn't say lean on understanding. It says don't lean on your own understanding. Because that will get you into trouble. You lean on the understanding of God and the truth of them, then you're good. But that, that's why it says it's in this order. Trust in us. Don't lean on your own understanding, because if you don't trust in us, you will lean on your own understanding. And there's a reason that that was brought out is that's where your struggles lie is it's. And that's the thing, like you said, getting into the lower conscience, because there's a lot of own understanding in there that replace that with the understanding of God. And then, oh, well, that makes sense. Just like with this before this. Well, no, we're not teaching evolution at all. Well, now we can say, yeah, we will teach evolution. But we'll have it in the, the the truth of evolution, which is evolution is a byproduct of creation, and that's not going to change. Um, decay is a product of evolution, you know. And because somebody that's dead, you think that well, they're just dead. Well, but think about it: they don't evolve anymore; they decay. Which that is evolution. It's just the the de-evolution, you know, like the like um what is it? Agent Orange is referred to as a defoliant which means it gets rid of foliage, not bringing life to it. It destroys it. But this is a, just God giving this is just to bring more understanding that, you know, for me, no, there's no excuses for anything. I didn't know God existed. Nope. Because you just saw your mouth. You didn't know God existed. So you know God exists. So I'm not going to accept that. Why was it? Nobody taught me. Nope. Not going to take that. Um, Because remember this, when you rejected yeah. And that's the thing that that even if somebody brings excuses to God, no excuses will be accepted. See, that's the thing. It's not that because Lord, Lord, didn't I, didn't I? Well, isn't the didn't I, you didn't know? So you didn't know what you were doing? So therefore, no, if you weren't doing what was appropriate. And that's just another one of those that, you know, I'm glad that 
yeah, I brought this up because something else to talk about to give a good answer to, to where, you know, somebody says, well, prove to me God exists. All right, well, I can prove to you God exists, but if you don't accept the evidence, then it's really not proof to you because it doesn't matter if, if I can prove it or not. If you don't accept it, then what's you're not going to change your mind anyway. Well, and going along with that, prove that God exists, I don't have to. You already know God exists. Just because you don't acknowledge it, just because you choose to suppress it, you know that God exists. I don't, I, I, the burden of proof is not on me. God's already given the burden of proof through what they created so that man is without excuse. So nobody will be able to say before God, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. No, you, you did know. You decided that you were going to evolve in evil, which is dysfunction, rather than, which is decay towards God, instead of accepting the truth of it and working in from that simple form in evolving through growing in your, your knowledge of Messiah that you have the increase of one or the other. You're either increasing, and we've said this in a gathering before, you're either increasing towards God or you're decaying away from God. And that's why the longer somebody waits to settle their faith with God, truly, I mean, truly settle it, the more the odds are that they're not going to settle it because that decay keeps getting worse and worse and keeps pulling you farther and farther away from God, which makes it harder for you to get to that point of breaking of, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm following God. Well, you can stop the decay and start a process of evolving. And we've had this, well, God will accept you where you are. Okay. Well, that's not true to the degree that if you're in decay towards wickedness and evil, then God can't accept you at that point. Until you become the simplest form of seeking God, and then moving to seeking God with all of your heart, you cannot, God cannot accept you until you get to that point. But when God accepts you at that most basic stage, you are not expected to stay there. You are expected to evolve and grow and increase in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, which is Abba, Messiah and mother in the process. It, it's, it's a must. You, yes, God will, when you make that turn towards God, then you are at the simplest form that you can be for faith in God. But if you don't increase, then you die and you go back to the decay side. It's one or the other. And if you walk in this faith journey and then you uh, switch back over to the other side, then you're going from evolving towards God towards evolving towards the enemy and you decay from God. The key factor is if you do that prior to circumcision of the heart, then 
you you're, you still have a chance to come back. But if you go to that decay after circumcision of the heart, then there's nothing left for you but but to continue to decay and end up dying and burning eternally in the end. So just some uh, a lot of interesting things that can be learned and understood by seeking God with all of your heart. You come to circumcision of the heart, then it opens you up to be able to understand the information and knowledge that mother gives in order to understand more and more things in the world and what they're doing, why they're, why they're doing it. Why do we get rid of uh, sewage? Why do we get rid of garbage? Why do we have plants? Why do the plant, the oak tree will always produce the oak tree. The maple tree will always produce the maple tree. And this was spoken in the Bible. Uh, I believe it was in James. I uh, brought up that, or maybe Messiah said this, but anyway, uh, will the olive tree produce figs? Will the fig tree produce grapes? And that may not be exactly how it's worded, but the objective is, is that no, it's not a evolutionary process that that one thing will change from its original design into the design of something else. No, the evolution is, it's going to start from its original design in its basic form and it's going to grow to fullness and completion and then it's going to decay and because without the decay then the seeds don't dry out and the, the seeds have to dry out go into the ground and then they produce another crop again but the grape will always produce grapes the fig will always produce figs and the olive will always produce olives and that's again from the word and just giving proof from the word that these things are absolutely true and like you had brought out uh, earlier on that evolution is possible because of the creation of God Without the creation of God, without something in existence, it cannot evolve. And even if you were to go to the most basic form where they're like, okay, well, it was an explosion that caused all this stuff to come into existence. What caused the explosion? <laughs> what caused whatever it was that came together that caused that explosion there would have had to have been something. So even at the, the, the most basic form, there would have had to have been a design for evolution. And again, we know that there is a design for evolution, that that design is creation first, and that that what is created evolves from its seed state into its full-grown state with the intention of producing seed that will then continue to reproduce and fill the earth, whether it's humankind or plants or animals. That was the objective goal, produce like kind. And that's the objective of faith is that we want to find people who want to know the truth of God, no matter how it affects them. And we want to help them in this process so that we can plant seeds and have a continued harvest of faith and righteousness.
So as we finish up for this morning uh, with this topic, because, you know, we, we, again, there's thousands of different other directions that mother could go with this as well. But uh, we know that we're not going to run out of information. With mother in us, we have so much content that it, it, it's not even funny. But anyway, as we finish up this morning on this aspect of creation and evolution, you have any final words as we sign out for this morning? Think about yourself with this. Think about what you're creating and what has evolved from that. So if you see what's evolved, if you want to change wherever that's evolved to, then change your thinking and change the, what you create. And what will evolve from that will go from whatever you decided to uh, create in your mind. So you have the, by choice, you have the ability to make choices to change whatever evolution has been put in place. But other than that, hope everybody has a good weekend and we'll uh, see you on Tuesday on the podcast and we'll see where y'all has us going from there. <clears throat> and remember that every action has an opposite and equal reaction. So you either are in decay, which is evolution towards the enemy, or you are in evolution towards God, which is decay towards the enemy. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.